Welcome to the Vida Podcast, a podcast about next generation media, startups, branded content, and the world of content marketing. In each episode, we talk to some of the most inspiring entrepreneurs and founders building next generation media brands and marketers building brands with content. Hello and welcome to the latest podcast from Vida, focusing on next generation media brands. Uh, This time we're talking to founders of media startups to hear about their experiences during lockdown and their plans for the months ahead. Today I'm talking to Justin Pierce and Andy Oakes of New Digital Age, part of the Blue Stripe Group. Uh, Welcome to you both. Hi, nice to see you. So uh, part of the reason for talking today is that New Digital Age features on a list published this week by Vida of next generation media brands. So many of the startup media companies on this are examples that target communities within, uh, I suppose, what you would call the passion economy. Uh, Others have sort of focused on uh, critical current issues like the climate challenge, sustainability, that sort of thing. But some of the businesses on the list are um, business to business uh, media. And actually, they are amongst those that have got the most uh, interesting uh, business models, you know, developing income from media, but also from consultancy, studio services, etc. And certainly from the outside in, it looks like uh, that um, New Digital Age and, and Blue Stripe uh, fits, fits that model. But perhaps you could you know, start by telling me a little bit more about that maybe maybe start with you know why and when new digital age was uh, was launched yeah let me start now andy can go more into the group i i joined blue stripe as the third partner in the business about uh, just over two years ago uh i mean i was a journalist for about 17 years and i left journalism to uh go to different fields i went to a pr agency for a couple of years to wash off my impartiality as a journalist then i i I founded the brand content Arm with the Drum and they went and same with DigiDay. Uh, I'd always worked with Andy uh, over the about 20 years. Uh, so when I joined, we both thought we were ex-publishing. Blue Stripe at the time was essentially was a, was a PR agency, PR and content agency focused on the digital sector. And we just thought, because we're ex-publishing, we should do some content. So let's do a podcast. No, no, let's launch a magazine. Okay, let's launch a title. And we launched New Digital Age. And, I mean, you know, it really was a sort of a, a sideline to start with. And it just grew and grew and grew into a quite significant audience. And then we decided at the start of the start of this year, Andrew, I lose track of time, moment. Yeah, it was a year. It started last year, but started this year. We wanted to change the business model up, yeah. I mean, I'd love to say that there was some great strategic plan behind it right from the start. Uh, that would be not true. Um, but we've, we've, we've evolved the strategy to see where it fits into what we do in terms of the rest of the stuff in the group. And now I think we've, we've hit upon the right model uh, and, it, and it tends to be working really nicely. Obviously, don't tell me anything you're, you're not comfortable sharing publicly, but um, I, I, I'm, I'm interested, well, I'm pleased to hear that it's working well. Um, to, I mean, to what extent do the different sort of areas within the group sort of feed the others, if you see what I mean? Um, you know, I, I, it's not uncommon for things to evolve in the way that you've you've described particularly when within startup businesses and certainly startup media businesses but but how do those different moving parts of the business kind of support or or, or feed each other it's it's interesting they all work now i mean there were some tensions at the start how does a pr agency start a an independent title um 
and then we decided actually the way that b2b marketing has worked up over the last two three years there isn't such a thing as an independent title anymore everybody's taking paid content everybody's doing paid partnerships it's just a different version of that um so quite often we'll be talking to a client and they'll say oh we, you know we want to do a round table and we'll say well, we you know what we could do that under the new digital age banner because it gives it that third party authority and in other ways we, you know we, we're talking to when we're talking to very interesting companies purely on a on a uh, an editorial slant then they'll say actually it'd be really good to talk to you about how other stuff works within the agency it's a it's it's a real two-way thing we can when talking to clients say we don't want to say well look we're probably too editorial because that would be a too basic way of doing it but what we can talk to them about is we can test themes we can use it as a sandbox sometimes for them to look at how how it might work and alternative the other way you know we can we can create areas of interest for them as well um but that they tend to be of a wider editorial interest anyway uh so you know we've been writing about tech for good a lot at the moment uh, about how tech companies are responding to the pandemic we've had some of our clients in them but generally that that's a great editorial feature anyway we've been totally upfront from the start that you know we are not independent journalism you know we will write about our clients but we'll also write about anything else we find interesting and you know, back when i was uh, i was at the drum running the brand of content um there i, I sat on the the board of the IAB are sort of drawing up sort of rules and regulations around branded content. So I've always been in the sort of the heart of that. It's quite, it's amazing actually to be able to do something. We've launched a, you know, credible media property, but from an agency's point of view, you know, and we have no mm-hmm. queries. And again, we spent a lot of our, our careers in the media in this sector and there's tensions inherent in running, in running journalism backed by commercial models, obviously, you know. So the refreshing thing is we're doing this completely afresh. You know, we're, we're, we say from the front, of course, we're right with our clients. We're lucky we've got amazing clients. The sort of clients we have, when I was editor of, of NMA back in, back in the day, I'd be proud to have on, on in the magazine, you know. So the two things can work in a really nice synergy. Yeah. So you've, you've spoken about some of the similarities between, you know, those other businesses, say the, the drum, NME, et cetera, and, and what you've experienced at the moment. Um, uh, what are the big, um, you know, and indeed are there perhaps any surprising differences between, you know, starting something up in the way that you have as an independent or as a smaller company compared to, to the sort of the, the innovation you know, I mean, NMA was obviously, you know, hugely innovative uh, at, at the time, right? Um, and that was created within a reasonably large kind of media corporate. So, so what what are the the biggest sort of differences or, or challenges, and indeed anything surprising between doing it, you know, there and doing it where you are now? I think it's funny because back at NMA, obviously Andy was my boss; he was the publisher, and I was the editor. And, you know, the difference is now that it's just us and there's no bureaucracy. There's no, you know, we don't have to do things a certain way. And also because NDA and future titles to come, the media part of the business is part of an overall business that we don't have to rely on on advertising. You know, the, the overall group sort of does well commercially and all the parts fit together. So the difference is, I think, uh, and Andy, you can sort of correct me if I'm wrong, you know, we can be, even though NMA was a really innovative title, it was, you know, we could be far more innovative and quick than we could be past a major publisher. You know, we're going about it a totally different way. Yeah, I mean, I think the 
the thing I quite like is we can have an idea in our morning conference and it'll be on the site by midday. Um, I mean, you had to do that today anyway because no, very few people came back from lunch. But it's it that innovative, being innovative but being quick is great. And also that there is no need for us to chase big numbers. There's no need for us to go after a huge audience because we've, you know, we've we've very calmly settled in and, and found a niche that we wanted to be in. It's not a huge niche. So you, there won't be huge amounts of people, but we're not out there constantly chasing those people, the, the numbers. We're not after the massive eyeballs figures. It's about getting the right people. Uh, and through the ways, the, the, the editorial structure, we found those people. So there's never been that pressure of write something that will get 100,000 page views because there aren't 100,000 people who want to read or will be interested in what we write about. No. Uh, just on that point, so that, that's quite interesting. I think what you're, you're flagging up there, some of the uh, advantages of independence is the fact that you can move quickly. You're, you're not necessarily a slave to the numbers, et cetera. Um, uh, across the, the, the businesses that, that we speak to and that we work with, you know, there are, there are many that are, I mean, I, I would describe most, if not all of them, as being in a niche. Um, but often that's quite a crowded niche, right? So if you think about the areas of sustainability, sustainable living, you know, um, uh, as as one example, um, there are lots of uh, already um, uh, established kind of startup media businesses focusing on that, and there are new ones emerging all the time. So they do have, you know, I suppose that's the the upside, the democratization of of uh, of, uh, of of digital means that anyone can create. Um, the flip side of that is that they are all trying to work out how they can work within the the sort of the power structure of the big platforms to actually build their audience. Now, at this point in the interview, the technology let us down somewhat. The good news is that Justin and Andy's audio was clear as a bell, but mine was lost in the struggle for bandwidth. So. What I went on to ask was what insights and advice they would give to startup media businesses that have no problem creating original, authentic content, but that may find it harder to stand out, to reach, and to develop their audience. I think for us, one of the most important things, as Andy sort of I think, mentioned, is is the is community. You know, um, we we don't want we, we've worked at publications that have amazing audiences, and you know, you'd be jealous of, but but that's not what we want. We want a an audience of, to be honest, sort of quite senior people in this industry that have been around a long time and are still building and developing it. Now, that audience, it, it isn't massive, but it is very senior and it needs sort of looking after. So uh, that audience also is quite community-based. People that have been in the digital media marketing industry for the last 20 years, and they love it, they've got passion for it. They are quite well connected with all the other all their peers, you know, in the same way we are, I hope. So it's, it's focusing on that community. And if you serve the community well, it will sort of repay you in spades, you know. And that's and that not having, again, not desperately chasing large audiences just for the sake of getting a large audience, you know, chasing and serving the right audience, I think is always the, always the way to go. And I think also uh, collaborating within the community is very important. Um, it's not something that... You know the bigger groups will have, the will fight it. You know they'll, they, there is you know back in the old NMA days, it was it was us at Centaur against Revolution down at Haymarket, and they had marketing and we had marketing week and whatever we had they had, and you know that 
when you look back now, you think, well, what on earth were we doing? What an unsustainable model we were building. Um, whereas what we've tried to do is recognize that we're a, a small company and find like-minded companies as well. Um, so there's, we work with the guys at Madfest. Um, there's a couple of them. There's a couple of us. Our ethos seems to fit. We work. We have a, a very similar view of the world and how we want to work. And that that collaboration has, has proved really effective. Um, and we're working with other people on other projects uh, on our innovation session series. So it's it's not being too protective of what you've got. Saying, hang on, here's an idea, but those guys are really good at doing that. Let's go and talk to them about how it might work. Having heard some of the history of New Digital Age, about Justin and Andy's experience before that, and their views on the media sector in general, we now turn to their experience during the past few months. I began by asking how lockdown had affected their immediate and longer-term plans. NDA has always been about celebration, celebrating the industry and celebrating the people that drive it, you know. We don't do news, we don't do gossip. Um, so in the, in the initial few weeks, you know, we didn't produce much content that was directly related to COVID or the pandemic, really. Uh, obviously, all the other titles from, from The Guardian, you know, to The Drum had to produce, you know, non-stop, you know, COVID coverage, as it were. We didn't, we kept on, you know, celebration. We'd our series such as My Digital Hero or, you know, we thought for us for a bit, should we really be doing this in this sort of uh, time of global crisis? But we did it and it, you know, it, it continues to work. We have been doing more coverage around COVID, obviously, but a lot more around, we had a series called Reasons to be Cheerful. We talked to senior yeah. leaders about what are you, what are you excited about? You know, what do you think this pandemic could cause positive positive impact from uh, and we're doing stuff around now you know what how, how do you mark yourself out of, out out of this this crisis etc but really initially there wasn't a huge impact on us we again we uh unlike i guess a lot of obviously a lot of publishers uh, who rely on, on ad revenue we don't you know it's that's not our business model so what impacted that way so yeah not not much really to start with and because we don't have the, you know, we don't have a news desk or banks of journalists waiting, you know, being sent out to go and meet with people, that side, that side didn't change. I mean, a lot of what we do is, um, for my digital hero, we ask people five questions. So it's quite a, you know, it's a very email friendly format. Uh, so that didn't change. And Justin's right. We, it's the, the celebrate. We want to celebrate the industry and the people within it. We did have to think about the tone for a bit because it did look at, I think I was slightly concerned, it looked to be in Congress, that the rest of the world was talking about thousands of job layoffs, the market crashing, and we were quite happily carrying on. But even so, the, the, the series we've brought through, so tech good, be cheerful, and best practice marketing through the pandemic, have all focused on the positives and where the industry can do well. Um, and we've spoken to quite a few people. You know, there's a lot of doom and gloom around. You know what? There's also the industry's doing quite well in places. Um, some clients, yes, some people in the industry are having a very hard time. It would be, you know, we, we have to acknowledge that. But some people are having a, doing well. They've reacted really well, and it would be wrong of us not to not to focus those guys. Next, I talked about the experiences of some of the next gen media brands we've been working with at Vida and their experiences of lockdown. Some have used the time to develop new products, including membership programs. 
Others have gone through a thorough strategic review and decided on a fundamental shift in the direction of their business. And some had fortunately just completed a funding round, so are now in a relatively good position for whatever lies ahead. So I asked Andy whether he and the team at New Digital Age had done anything similar during lockdown. No, I mean, we um, very publicly told people that we were starting. It's important to say we didn't chase any funds, any funds, we didn't chase any revenue for the first six months. We didn't, that wasn't what the plan was. The plan was to build it up, turn it into a respected title, make it part of the stable title people recognise as serving the industry. And then around February, February this year, we made a big song and dance. We're now open for business. So timing could have been better on that front because all of a sudden um, nobody had any budget. So we did have to look at how that was going to work. But interestingly, the virtual events market has worked out really nicely for us. And, and again, it goes back to what we're talking about with community and there being an understanding, oh, actually, those guys are good at getting to those sort of people. People are much happy to do virtual events at the moment because they've, they've still got to do business. They've still got to drive their businesses. They still need leads. And virtual events are actually better than physical events for doing that. Um, and so, you know, our two collaborative event innovation sessions and 99 Club are doing really well off the back of that because people still have to do business and people still want, people still want to meet the right people. Because you can't go and do it in a Soho pub anymore. Yes, yeah, quite. Um, there, I, I'm glad you mentioned virtual events. I mean, that's obviously been a, a boom uh, area for obvious reasons. Um, I think uh, observation in in the early sort of weeks of, of lockdown was that that a lot of the experiences that that say I and others I, I know had of those sorts of things, it was a bit like um, the days when people tried to put magazines on the internet. You know, where, you know, the experience wasn't really designed for the environment or the medium in which you were experiencing it. Um, I, I wonder, is there anything in particular you've sort of learned or observed or, you know, anything surprising from the, the, the sort of the, the virtual events that you've, um, you've been um, running or involving? I mean, well, I'd say it's, it sounds weird, but they're kind of easier. We do a lot of events uh, we did in, in the old real world. Uh, you know, physical events where you'd have to make sure you've got the all your speakers and panelists and audience to uh, a lovely venue in Soho, say, uh, and that was always a worry, you know, because you're getting people to be somewhere at a certain time. Now everyone's generally at home; they're at their desk; they're not going anywhere, and you know they're looking for interesting things to do. So it's sort of kind of easier to to get these things to work. Uh, I found. We've run quite a few. There are bits again. Again, a funny sort of uh, upside, I guess, is that take a round table. You do hundreds of round tables. At a round table, you you want people to uh, all talk individually, and often you end up getting cross conversations and people go off on tangents. You've got to get them back on. On you know virtual round tables, no one does that. It's, you know, it's easy to get whole people's attention. Uh, likewise, events. You know, we're running an event with about 50, 50 speakers in a couple of weeks' time, just like terrifying. Uh, you know, but it's much easier to get these to get everyone sort of lined up with their, with their slot than potentially holding a big event where you're worried that trains can go wrong or there's you know there's someone's going to have an, a disaster at home. People are at home, so all these logistical issues, which uh, the bugbear of big events, are sort of ironed out in line, really. But I think 
people did make mistakes in the, you know, you could see in March, people were trying to run virtual events as if they were physical events. And they were trying to run, here's, here are four people on the panel. And here's a keynote. And here's four more people on the panel. And you, you realize that people do not want to sit at their desk and stare into a screen for four hours at a time. It's just, it's just not how people want to work with these things. Um, maybe we've gone too far. Our 99 club actually has 99 second talks. Maybe that's taking it to an extreme. But I don't think people just said, oh, we'll just stick it on screen. And it, exactly as you said, Kevin, it was like the old days of, oh, right, well, we'll just PDF it. PDF a mag and stick it out there. People people will read it on page turns, won't they? Next, we turn to some of the editorial and content formats that the team at New Digital Age have developed. The 50 over 50 list, My Digital Hero interviewing the interviewers, and most recently, during lockdown, Reasons to be Cheerful. One of the people they interviewed for this recently is Tom Bureau, CEO of Immediate Media. And one of the things he said was particularly interesting and optimistic, uh, anticipating a growth in the digital media economy post-lockdown, if you are an established or scaled business. But he goes on to say, and I quoted uh, this to Justin and Andy, quote, I guess the one area of concern right now in digital is the strength of the venture world and the cash requirements on early stage startups, which are such an important part of the ecosystem. So I asked Justin Andy, uh, as, as an independent media brand and one that reports on digital media, for their thoughts on the risks and opportunities facing smaller players in the months ahead. I think it's, I mean, again, it's all about diversification. If you look at our DigiDay do an amazing job, I think, of, of covering the change in, in publishers' business models and diversification mm. at all. You know, e-commerce wasn't such a big thing a few years ago, and now everyone's piling mm. in. Uh, you know, we've got a completely different business model, as we explained to start with. So for us, for us, uh, for us, you know, our business model is the fact that we have three parts of a business working in, hopefully, perfect unison all, all the time in terms of content marketing, PR, and, and, and media. Uh, I think if you if you haven't got a diversified revenue model, it's going to be tricky. You know, if you're just publishing content to a very loyal readership, you know, where's the money coming from? Where's the growth? Where's the opportunity? Where's the scale coming from? So if you are, you know, a sort of traditionalist publisher producing content for an audience and that's it, you need to find different revenue streams. Where's the money coming apart from that audience? Because that, that audience... Are they going to pay for your content? Not sure. Are they going to provide enough of a, uh, you know, uh, an attractive audience base for advertisers? Is you know, not sure. So new, new revenue models is is the answer. Or you know, we would say this, or a whole new business model, which is how we've gone into this. The, the thing that the pandemic has done is uh, it really magnifies any cracks you've got in your plan, anyway. Uh, and what what it's done is it's really shine a light on that. If you had a problem before the pandemic. It's not going to go away. It's going to be a much, much worse. Um, if you had a semi-engaged audience before the pandemic, you don't have an engaged audience now, because the, the and, and if you're asking for money from them, all it's done is I think it's heightened the fact that some business it's shown that some businesses that had problems will come out of this with more problems because they weren't addressed those in the first place. If your staff weren't happy, if your readers weren't happy, if your revenue models weren't mixed, it's highlighted that now. Um, and publishing's always been like that. We've always been a real indicator of the, the, the wider economy. Uh, 
I think it's 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 you know if people couldn't get you know you look at some of the businesses that have had to close over this period and it's it's very sad and it, I always hate seeing people being put out of work. On the flip side of that, their business models weren't they weren't strong enough, they weren't resilient enough, and they were spent you know with best one of all they were spending too much. And this is that's you know if we come out of this whole thing with businesses being a little bit more sensible. Understanding if you don't mix up your revenue stream, you're gonna any you know any one thing could knock you off the cliff. Then then that's a good thing. And finally, I asked what lay ahead for Andy and Justin once the restrictions of lockdown started to be relaxed. Apart from drinking a beer in the sunshine, preferably on a roof somewhere, here's what they told us. I think it's working out as well which of the th- the products we've developed over this time will will stand on their own two feet as we go forward. You know. The will the what what's the virtual events market going to look like going forward? Uh, I'm really hoping people don't suddenly say, "Oh, drop those." It, it's it's all back to uh, Earl's Court for a 300 uh, stand at trade exhibition because that's what people want. People don't want that. They didn't want it before the pandemic, really, and they certainly don't want it now. So it's you know we we have to look very carefully. Like, right, what what's still what's going to work going forward that we've learned here. You've been listening to the Vida Podcast. If you'd like to learn more, check out the show notes for more information. Please like, share and subscribe on your favourite podcast app and follow Vida Media on all the usual platforms for regular updates on startup media and content-powered brands. Thanks for listening. See you next time.